0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right, well, we are continuing our nine-week series on emotionally healthy community. And last week was week one, and I tried to lay a foundation for why it was that we were engaging with this. Why are we running after emotional health? And we looked at this idea that we are called by God throughout the, the biblical story into maturity. And maturity means spiritual maturity, emotional maturity, intellectual maturity, and physical maturity. Right? These are all the things that we cannot ignore one and accept, expect to be whole, full people living in the freedom that Jesus has made available for us. And so, if you missed that, uh, that is available on the the website, you can listen to that, or on your podcast player of choice, and hopefully that was a, a good introduction for you. Today, what we want to do, before launching next week into the first of the seven principles of emotionally healthy communities, is look at how Jesus himself invited people into emotional health how he invited people to look within and how he showed that not, it's not just the, the outside things that we do, kind of the religious activities, the, the, the way that we try to dress up and look good on the outside that really matters, but what is going on in our hearts is going to leak out of us. And Amber said that I told this story recently, but I don't remember, so I'm going to tell it again. And... So when my daughter, my oldest daughter, was probably six, seven months old, something like that, Uh, and this was 20 years ago, I know that because she's now 21, she is a a junior up at Fair State University, and so this is way back, right, 20 years ago, uh, Emma, little baby Emma is sitting in the high chair eating Cheerios, Uh, Amber and I and our friend Herman have a card table set up in, in the living room and we're playing Monopoly. This was before we, we really understood what a good board game was. And so we were playing Monopoly. And so, but we're having a good time and we're just joking around. Herman's a ton of fun. And so we're, everything's fine. And I remember rolling the dice and landing on one of Amber's properties. And I had to pay some ridiculous amount of rent. And things get a little bit fuzzy here, but I just remember throwing something onto the table, standing up, and saying something like, this always happens to me. I can't win. I'm always the loser. And then stomping off in shame into the bathroom. And I'm like a full-on adult at this point. I have a child that I am raising, and I, am, I just remember standing in the bathroom going, what is going on? <laughs> like, that was quite a reaction to landing on Connecticut Avenue, right? <laughs> or there's the time at, at Fox Brothers that I was just sitting at my desk, typing up an invoice or something, and, and this guy, his name was Dan, he knew how to push my buttons, but I held it together because I'm a good Christ follower. I'm a Christian, and I need to live out this example, and I'm an Enneagram 9, so I don't create, well, actually, I think I'm a 3, but I, I, in stress, I go to 9. Don't worry about that. That's for another sermon, Uh, and so I'm just trying to hold it together and keep the peace, and But he does something. He makes me so mad. And so I just get up and I walk out to the far end of the warehouse where nobody is. And I'm just looking for something. How can I vent my anger? How can I do it? What can I do? And then I see it. A stapler. And I lift up that stapler in my hand and I throw it across the warehouse and it breaks into pieces. And I scream out an unpleasant word. I pray in the warehouse for, for God's help. And it's just this anger and this insecurity and this junk inside of me, right, comes bubbling up and come bubbling out. And in both of those situations, I'm an adult, right? Like I said, in both of those situations, I am a Bible-believing, Jesus-worshiping Christian. In at least one of those, I am the worship leader at the church, Right? <laughs> and for long stretches of time you know i could play the part i looked fine everything was going okay but swirling around in my heart was this fear yeah. this anxiety this insecurity that given the right circumstances come spilling out on my friends and my coworkers and on my family and I kept hoping, right, that my spirituality would somehow fix this. Maybe if I read, you know, four chapters a day instead of three, maybe that would help, right? Maybe if, if I, you know, served in some other uh, place at, in, at the church, maybe that would help. Maybe if I served in the children's ministry, because we all know that is the highest most righteous thing a person can do. If you want to be close to Jesus, serve in children's ministry. And so maybe if I serve more, then I'll be healthier, right? And through all this thing, those were the the days of of revival and it was very normal that you would just lay in, in the presence of God during worship. And I thought, well, maybe if I just lay still longer, right, then the Holy Spirit will come and transform my heart. But the problem was, I wasn't willing to deal with with what was going on. I wasn't willing to go and look at what was really swirling around inside of me because I was ashamed, I was afraid, and I just wanted it to go away. But we can't do that because what is inside of us always comes out. And so we all have this emotional baggage, right? We all have wounds from our past. We believe lies or we hold on to junk that is keeping us from living in freedom. Keeping us from living the the full abundant life that Jesus has for us. But what we're going to see today and hopefully throughout this series is that we need to deal with what's inside of us. Otherwise, everything we do is just a sham. It's just a veneer to try to cover up the brokenness inside of us. And so we're going to look today at Matthew chapter 23. And we don't spend a lot of time in Matthew 23 because this is where Jesus says the eight woes to the scribes and the Pharisees or the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And we don't like these. It sounds very negative, Jesus. And, but that's uh, where we're going to look today, because I think that what we find in the words of Jesus is an invitation, and maybe more than an invitation, an expectation that we need to pay attention to what's going on inside of us. So you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 23, or you can follow along on the uh, screen. So Jesus says, "'Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel.'" At this point when we're reading, we're just grateful that we're not Pharisees. Verse 25, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. And the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So Jesus is talking to the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders of their day. But throughout the Gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that they are often in conflict with Jesus. And right here in Matthew 23, like I said, Jesus is telling them these eight woes, what he has against them. He's calling them out for the ways they had strayed from the character of God, how they had become blind guides that were leading people into the same unhealthy relationship with God that they had. And I took a a class in seminary. Uh, We were going through the book of of Isaiah. And I remember this thing that struck me. Our professor, Dr. Hilber, said, you can learn more about the character of God from the, the judgment speeches in the prophets than you can from the promises. Right? We like the promises. We want long life and liberty and, and we want to be restored to the land or whatever it is. Right? But what we, 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 we don't pay enough attention to what's going on in these judgment speeches against Israel. And here uh, we see a, a similar thing. Jesus stepping into that role of prophet, delivering a woe, delivering a judgment speech against these teachers of the law. And when we read these negative statements, what we want to do as Bible students, as people trying to learn who God is so that we can approach him uh, with more freedom, we need to slow down and ask, what does this negative statement say about the character of God? Right, what is it that he likes? What doesn't he like? And so here, the first the first woe, he says, "Teacher of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices—mint, dill, and cumin—but have neglected the more important matters of the law: justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides! You strain out a gnat but swallow a camel." They were—they were—they were going through the motions. And he says, right, you've gotten a little bit of understanding, but you've missed the big idea. right? You've, you've uh, strained out a gnat, but you've swallowed an entire camel. And so what does this section reveal about the character of God? It reveals that the, the practice of justice and mercy and faithfulness are central to God's heart. These are the most important parts of the law. These reveal the heart of God. It's attitudes of love and kindness towards people that are more important than our religious ritual and devotion. Now, ritual and devotion are important, they're valuable. Right? We, we, this, this way that we understand to draw close to God. But if we do that, but we have missed care and concern for others, we've missed it. And Jesus says, woe to you. Get back to my heart. He continues, woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. So Jesus reveals, he identifies what has replaced these godly characteristics of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now, instead of care for God and care for others, these religious leaders... Are full of greed and self indulgence. Instead of pouring their lives out for the sake of others, everything is about them, their position, their power, their authority. And they had good intentions, right? Their heart, their hope was that if we get all of Israel to behave, right, then Messiah will come back and he's going to restore Israel to our rightful place and we will be in charge again. We can get rid of these Romans. But it wasn't for the sake of bearing witness of God to the whole world, which was the call of God. We see that in Genesis 15 and 17. But they wanted power and position. They didn't want anybody kicking them around. Jesus says, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. And he goes on and says, clean the inside of the cup and the dish. All right, what's he saying? What's he inviting the, the, the Pharisees and us into? I believe he's saying you've got to look at what's going on inside. What are your motivations? What are you trying to protect? What are you trying to acquire? Is it all about you? Or is your heart burning for the things that God's heart burns for, justice and righteousness for those who are downtrodden, those who are being oppressed, those who are overlooked in your society. We have to deal with what's going on inside of us. Because when we do that, right, then everything else is clean as well. That's what Jesus is saying. Clean the inside and then the outside will be clean. Right? But so often in my Christian life, I've tried to make it look good on the outside, to look impressive, to, to put on my Sunday morning face. Everything's fine. Everything's great. Right? But inside, full of greed and self-indulgence. We have to guard our hearts. Jesus certainly would have known this proverb uh, of Solomon. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. Right? And in the, the Jewish understanding, the, the Hebrew word for heart would have kind of included all of our interior world, our our mind, our will, our emotions. Right? We have to look at and guard and protect everything that is going on inside of us we have to protect what we are allowing into our eyes and into our ears because everything we do is forming us every youtube video we watch every netflix show that we binge every star wars movie that we watch is forming us into a certain person And when we step back and we look at all these things that we're taking in, our friendships and our motivations, our relationships, what we're doing with our life, what we're doing with our hobbies, all of this stuff, we have to go, okay, if this is forming me, am I happy about who this is forming me into? Or am I happy about what this is forming me into? I'm not saying don't watch Netflix. I'm just saying be conscious and critical about what you are allowing in to your heart because it does transform it, right? And so we want to guard our heart. Everything we do flows from it. It's like setting a a solid foundation for our house, right? We want to make sure that the foundation is solid so that when we build upon it, it doesn't come crumbling down. And I really believe that an external focus without dealing with our emotions just leads to religion and legalism and fear and a distance from God. And the bad news is, that's bad enough, right? But the bad news is that it's never going to get us to what we're really looking for, what we're longing for, which is peace and hope and joy and rest in the presence of God, closeness with our Creator closest with our friends and our family and those who we meet. We need to deal with what's going on inside of us. And that's why we're taking nine weeks to talk about our emotional health. Because it's vitally important. Jesus continues, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And so Jesus compares them to tombs, right, that look good on the, on the outside, and it's like, oh, that looks impressive. Things are going well with that tomb. I don't know what that means. It's a nice-looking tomb. All right, but inside, inside right, they're full of dead men's bones. And in the, the, in the law, Jewish people could not touch dead things because it corrupted them. It made them unclean. It, was, it forced them to be removed from the community. It forced them to be removed from the presence of God, from the worship of God in the temple until they cleaned themselves. And Jesus is saying, you're not just touching dead things. You are inviting death to live inside you. It doesn't matter what you do because you are corrupt. You are messed up in all of your great actions, which are good, right? They were following the law. They were, they were uh, tithing, right? They were studying the, the word of God. They were doing the things, most of the things that they were supposed to do. They were the clean ones. They were seated at the best seats at all of the, all of the dinners, and people would walk up to them in the marketplace asking them questions. They were a big deal. But Jesus says, it's all a sham because you're carrying death inside of you. And whatever is inside of you is going to spill out. You can't hide from it. We see this, unfortunately, all the time. We, you know, we see some amazing Christian leader that we all look up to and value and go, man, that guy knows how to build the church. He's doing it. And then this thing comes out that uh, oh, there's these allegations, right? And he's mistreating the, the women on his staff or he's mean to people and all this junk comes out, right? He looks great on the outside, but inside he hadn't dealt with his stuff. And it comes spilling out. Jesus says in Matthew 12, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Again, he's talking to the Pharisees. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's going to come out. One way or another. He continues, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And so what is stored in you? What is stored up in you that comes out at perhaps the most inopportune times? The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. A couple of weeks ago, I started a new class in seminary. I don't remember if I told this story, Amber. But, uh, and so I'm in seminary. It's year six. I've been there for a while. So my last semester, praise the Lamb. It's, we're almost done. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm sitting in this class, and we're, uh, we're reading this pretty challenging book, and uh, and the way that this class is set up is you read the, the chapters and then you openly discuss it amongst the, the class, which is not my happy place. I like to sit in the back of the class, be quiet, and make people think that I'm, I know what's going on, right? Uh, and so we all have to talk, and our grade is based on how much we are able to, or how much we add to the conversation. All right, great. Uh, and so we're, we're sitting there, and I turn up for class, and everybody's kind of sharing. And all of a sudden, this insecurity starts bubbling up in me. And like, it's not really been that big of a problem for me for years. I remember the, the beginning of seminary, showing up for class and going, man, I'm an imposter here. I don't belong in this place. But I killed that. Uh, we moved past that. And I was just like, that's crazy. We're doing great. This is good. This is where God has called me to be. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this class with these super smart kids. And they're like 20 years younger than me. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> kids. And, and I'm sitting here in this class. And all of a sudden, it pops up again. Oh, I don't belong here. i got to get out of here. Luckily, now I recognize it a lot quicker, right? And I can go, okay, that's not me. That's, that's a lie. I reject that, yada, yada. Let's move on, right? But it's like the, the, the insecure man brings up insecure things out of the insecurity stored up in him, right? And so what is stored up in you, Right? The, the the lustful man brings lustful things out of the lust stored up in him. What are you storing up? The angry man brings up angry things out of the anger stored up in him. What are you storing? So, hopefully, as we continue through this uh, series, we're able to slow down, to, to take time to look at what is going on inside of us, to recognize what it is that is stored inside of us, the, the wounds or the pain from our. Family of origin or relationships that we had when we were kids or young people, right? All of this stuff, we're going to slow down. We're going to look into it and we're going to bring it to the light of Jesus so He can cleanse us, He can set us free, and we can step into life. The Apostle John says in his first epistle this is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. We don't want to walk in darkness. and so often we read passages like this and we just think immediately of these the sin right oh you know this the darkness is just the sin that i participate in whether it's Lust or anger or, you know, you know, belittling our spouse or our kids or whatever the thing is, taking advantage of people, right? Not being, uh, living lives of justice and mercy. We think it's just these kind of external things, but I think the, the darkness is anything that is keeping us from entering into the light and the life of Jesus. So it's not just our physical, seeable sin, But it's also that hidden sin. It's also the the pain, the ungodly beliefs, our fear and our doubt and our worry, our anxiety, our insecurity. All of that darkness keeps us from God. It keeps us from good relationships with other people. And and, and John invites us, step into the light. Bring it into the light. In Jesus, there is no darkness. Darkness. And when we do that, when we step into the light, when we bring our junk into the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Right? We deal with the inside, and the outside is clean as well. We deal with the inside, and we can have healthy relationships with one another and with God. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the house. That's a DC talk. There's a band in the 90s called DC Talk, my friends. And I don't know why we're not dancing to DC Talk. I, just to put it out there. Let's we'll see, next year. There's always next year. Or we could start our own dance troupe, Jamie. You and I could do it. Peter Scazzaro, who authored the book Emotionally Healthy Church that we are basing this series on, says the degree to which we are willing to give Jesus access to what is deeply beneath the surface in our lives is the degree to which we will experience freedom in Him. The degree to which we are willing to give Jesus access to what is deeply beneath the surface is the degree to which we will experience freedom in Him. We need to go there. And it's painful, and it takes work, and it takes time. But it is so worth it. We, we need to, to practice this so that we can create healthy uh, boundaries in our life, right? So we don't say yes all the time when everything inside of us cries out, I just want to say no, right? We need to be able to do that in a healthy way. All right, we need to deal with the, the stuff that, that we received from our parents or from relationships in our past. All right, we need to learn how to slow down and enter into the rest of Jesus. We need to learn to slow down and look in and identify the emotions and name the emotions that are going on in our hearts. Even though often when we're feeling blue or we're feeling down, it's like, oh, I got to watch a funny YouTube video to kind of beef myself up so that I can continue and not be a gloomy gust today. And I don't know what your YouTube video is. Maybe it's, I got to have an extra drink before going into work, or I need to, or after work is probably better. I, not, neither of them is great. <laughs> Anywho, moving on. Hi. And so as we wrap, as we wrap up the, this morning, right, what is it that we need to bring to the light of Jesus today? Right, what's inside of us that we try to keep hidden from others, that we try to keep hidden from ourselves, or we try to keep hidden from Jesus? Is there anger or fear or shame or disappointment or insecurity or anxiety or lust or selfishness or greed? What is it that you're just trying to push down there and hope that your spiritual activities will eventually take care of it? And I'm a believer in spiritual activities, right? I think you should read the Bible. I think you should pray. But I think in the process, it's not just about getting more information, but it's about encountering the living God so that we can be transformed, right? Just more information isn't going to help. But when we invite through our spiritual disciplines, the Spirit of God inside of us, that is where we find freedom. And so over the next seven weeks, like I said, we're going to be looking at these seven principles. We talked about them a little bit last week, and we'll be starting uh, full on with principle number one, which is looking beneath the surface at what's going on in our hearts. That's going to be a good time. Uh, We're going to look into that. But today, where we want to start is we just want to give permission we just want to give Jesus permission to deal with what's going on. This is not a self-help series that you can just try harder and you can figure it all out and then you will be healthy, right? This is a series where we recognize what's going on in our hearts and we bring it to Jesus. Jesus. Because it's only by laying it on the altar, bearing it before Jesus, that we uh, uh, find that freedom where he brings healing, where he brings restoration, and where he helps us to step into the new creation that we are. So that we can live our lives more and more like Jesus. So as we close, would you just close your eyes with me? And maybe as I was talking, something popped up in your, in your mind. And you're like, yeah, this is it. That, how I mark your story about insecurity, that really resonated. right? Because I feel the same way. Or maybe it's lust or anger, whatever it is. Just invite you just to bring that to Jesus this morning. Lord Jesus, we invite you to look into our hearts. And Lord, we confess that there is some stuff in there that we would rather not see and we'd rather you not see. But Lord, we want to walk in freedom. We want to walk out the process of sanctification. We want to step more fully into that new creation that you have created us to be. And so we give you our anger and our fear and our lust and our shame, our insecurity, our worry, whatever it is. Lord, help us out. Purify us and cleanse us. Help us to walk in freedom. Lord, we pray for these next seven weeks that as we learn these principles, Lord, and as we do it in community, Lord, that we would be able to, to go further together than we've ever been able to go on our own. Lord, I pray for intimate relationships and safe relationships to to share what is going on so that we can step into freedom. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you are doing in, in Vandalia and in Cass County. Lord, we pray that as we become more emotionally healthy that it would impact our lives, our family, our friends, our church, our community in our world. That we would be better witnesses of you. as we walk in your freedom. In your name we pray. Amen.